God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. God is in the midst of her. She will not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. Psalm 46, 1 through 3, 5, 9 through 10. Hey friends, it's a great day for some coffee and a chat in the greenhouse. So grab your cup and I'll see you there. Welcome back to Chats in the Greenhouse. Today is a noisy day in the greenhouse. I am not going to lie. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you I have chickens laying eggs next door and they have been so loud. And also we have another rooster and it has made so much noise this morning. It just keeps going on and on. So if you hear a rooster in this recording today, I'm sorry ahead of time, especially because some of the things I'm talking about today are kind of intense and I don't want it to be interrupted by some crazy chickens. However, it is what it is. And also, I have a bee in the greenhouse that I could not get, and it's actually a hornet, and it keeps swooping down at me. I've already tried to get it with a broom. I can't. It keeps going to the peak. So we're going to try and get through the best we can today with the circumstances that I have going on. So let me go ahead and give you a visual of the drink that I'm drinking today. I have the Berry Christmas. We have a Christmas segment going on at the coffee shop. And it's where we bring back some of our Christmas drinks. Everyone loved the Berry Christmas at the shop. And so that's the one that we are doing this week is on special and it's so good. So anyways, that's what's in my cup right now. And we are going to dive into the second part of my series, which is on miscarriage. Part one I did last week, which was my miscarriage story. And then today I am doing part two, which is going to be how I came through that. And then just the healing that I found that kind of helped me get through that. And this is probably going to be a part three and four situation as well. It's just different things were revealed to me along the way as we go deeper into my book, The Longing. So I started today with a scripture from Psalm 46 about God being our refuge and ending with be still and know that I'm God. I love those verses. I did skip out a couple of them um, by picking out certain ones that I had read, but I love those verses so much. I mean, it just shows us the bigness of God and that he is almighty, he is all powerful, and that in the end, sometimes in situations that we go through, our assignment is to be still and just know that he is God and he's got it under control. And that is a big lesson for us to learn, especially if you're a doer, especially if you're a busy-minded person. A lot of entrepreneurs are just busier like that. They feel better when they're being productive. And that's great. And I'm like that as well. But sometimes in my life, I've been through situations that have caused me to just sit and be still. And this is one of those where I had nothing, there was nothing I could do to fix the loss that I had just went through. So that's what that scripture is 
kind of telling us is just, I am God, I'm big, I've got this, and you just sit there and be still and wait for me. So on August 11th, 2017, that is the day that I um, encountered loss and miscarriage, and that is when my sweet baby opened its eyes for the first time to see the face of Jesus instead of me. And that was one of the hardest days of my life. It changed my life forever. I carried a weight heavier than any weight I'd ever been through. It was so difficult just going through loss and feeling empty. I just felt the need to tell a bunch of people about it every time I encountered someone. I wanted to tell them like, hey, I just went through a loss. I just lost a baby, but I carried a baby. It was just this weird battle going on of like, you don't know me anymore because now I'm a different person. I've been through pain and not so much me magnified in that, but the baby that I had carried. I just wanted people to know about it because to me, it was so significant. It was so important. And a lot of times when you go through loss, this is a change that happens that people that haven't been through loss don't understand necessarily. Some people, when I've talked to them, they have referred to going through their loss as like a weakness, like they're broken. They weren't able to carry something's wrong with them. They have infertility issues and it's kind of like a label they place on their self. But I don't like that to be how you see yourself. Weakness is not ever how we should see or view miscarriage, loss, infertility, struggles, journeys. In my mind, you're stronger than the average person because you have to bear and go through difficult encounters and your journey is just different. There's more rocks in the road. There's more barriers in your path and you have to be willing to jump over those and endure those more than the average person who doesn't have to go through those things. And I don't want to say that person's weak because there are battles in their own life. But on this subject that I'm on today, which is miscarriage and loss and struggle, I see you as strong. I see you as brave. And when we go through those, it completely changes our heart and our capacity from who we were before. 100%. I'm a firm believer on that. I remember before ever going through miscarriage, always saying, I never, whatever I have to go through and endure in life, I never want to go through loss because I'm just not that strong of a person. I couldn't do that. I could not endure that. I would just die. Like if I had to go through loss and carry a baby and lose it, I would just die. And I remember saying that a lot until I went through it. And sure, there were several days that I was like, if I could just die, this would just be over. But I never want that to be the case ever. Like I want God to consider me a strong enough person to endure the battles that he places in my life. And I also want to say that to you, that if you think that's a possibility of something you might go through or what you've been through, or if you're going through it right now, or if it's way in your past, like I just want to tell you, like you're so strong and you're so brave to have encountered that and gone through that and loved and allowed your heart to love in that capacity. I want to read a scripture to you that I love so much. It is 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18. Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentarily troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. 
And this means that we're fixing our eyes on everything we can see here on this earth. So our mind is in terms of having a baby is, well, I didn't have, I didn't have that baby. So I don't have that baby. If that makes any sense. If it's like, I didn't carry that baby full term. I didn't hold that baby. That baby didn't look at me. So it's not mine. And it is because this is saying that what is unseen is eternal. So we have carried the baby, but then we lose the baby. So we fix our eyes on everything around us as far as it never birthed here. So you weren't able to have it. It hurts so, so bad. But this scripture says that achieving eternal glory far outweighs everything else. So don't fix your eyes on what is seen. There's my rooster. So don't fix our eyes on what is seen, but on what is unseen. What it's saying is that what is unseen is so incredibly important. Our babies that are now in heaven that we never got to hold are so important. And we won't be able to understand that. But God is saying, do not lose heart, though inwardly we're wasting away from our struggles, from our daily task, from the loss that we've just encountered, the anxiety that we have surrounding that situation. He's saying, I know you're wasting away and you're going through all that, but you need to re be renewed day by day for our light and momentarily troubles are achieving an eternal glory. So those babies that we had on this earth and we carried for a moment in time that went straight to heaven are achieving an eternal glory that far outweighs anything we'll have on this earth. Now, doesn't that blow your mind? Does that speak to you like it does to me? It's telling us that I don't want to put that our children on this earth are not as significant as the one we carry that goes straight to heaven. But the scripture does tell me a little bit like that. It is saying that in some sense that everything that we're gaining in heaven far outweighs everything we gain on this earth. And that really speaks to me and just telling me that everything we gain in heaven far outweighs everything we gain on this earth, everything we can see, which 100% gives significance to those babies that we've carried. So you might wonder how my faith became stronger when the one thing I fervently prayed for didn't happen. The one thing that I wanted to never happen to me, being loss of pregnancy or going through miscarriage, happened to me. Why would my faith grow in God through that? And the answer is really not very clear. It's, re it's really like a big answer to that one question of like it took time. It took a lot of time to realize the significance of those battles that I didn't realize during the midst of it. The six months following my miscarriage were hard. They were dark. They were lonely. I felt like I lost friends because it's all I could think about. It was all I could process. It was all I wanted to talk about. And people just got tired of hearing it. And it's not anything to them because I'm sure it was awkward for them. But, you know, your friends that go through that that's kind of like the cycle they go through. I mean, that's their life that they're living. That's their loss. That's their um, trial that they're bearing. And it's hard for them to get through that. And there isn't really anything that you can do or say. But for me, in realizing it and asking myself the questions of why did I have to lose this baby? Why do good people have to go through infertility struggles? I don't understand that fully. But some things that I found along the way that gave me comfort was another question, actually, which was, 
Why was Mary chosen to carry our Savior? This is the biggest part of my healing journey is when I realized the relatability I had as a mother to Mary, which is the most significant mother of all time, being Jesus's mother. She was chosen to carry the Savior who she raised, and ultimately he had to die on the cross for the entire existence of mankind's sins. Now, would that be hard to deliver a baby, carry the baby, um, deliver it in a disgusting stall? That's another thing. You think the promised Mary would have been given the most luxurious donkey back in the day to ride on and the most luxurious hospital room and the finest treatment because she carried the most important person and non-person ever in the existence of man. But no, it was the worst situation ever. I mean, she rode on a donkey for, I don't even know how long, I'm not going to act like I do, but just rode on a donkey in labor and then has to go to a in which would be a hotel and they had no rooms and then they give her the barn and she delivers and i know like us we just kind of like put this magic sense on the nativity scene and all surrounding that christmas but let me tell you from a girl who lives on a farm the stalls are gross and there's animal poop everywhere and especially because the scene is always shown as multiple types of animals so like sheep and donkeys and goats which i guess it was her donkey i'm not really sure but all the things and i'm sure there was a horse in there are several all in this area and i mean it's dirty it's hay everywhere and he had to lay on hay and you know, it's, we just kind of fantasize these things and these stories in the Bible. But if you really look at them and compare them to your daily life, I'm sure you would have tapped out. I'm so sure. I'm sure I would have tapped out. I could not have done the things that Mary did. But we just kind of were like, oh, yeah, it's Mary, you know. But let me tell you, we have a relatability to her. Because her heart was completely ripped out, I'm sure multiple times over her lifetime of just knowing that that was the burden she had to bear, that she had to deliver that child and raise him up as a man, keep him safe. Can you imagine that responsibility of knowing like he's a perfect spotless savior and he's under my care? Can you imagine? I would think the anxiety that she had in carrying him and going through that because it doesn't say that I don't I mean I don't think it says that Mary was perfect and no other person was perfect other than Jesus and so I'm sure that that was a big load for her to bear and when I realized that and just kind of thought wow if all of that responsibility and all that struggle and all that trouble was put on Mary Jesus's mother how am I any more important than her? How am I any better than her or what she deserves? And when I saw that, I thought, wow, I was chosen. I was chosen like Mary was for a reason. And then I felt like I need to figure out that reason. That's where I've seen the that scripture from 2 Corinthians that I read about, so we fix our eyes on not what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. The babies that we birth that go straight to heaven are eternal. They are gifted with eternal life from day one, from conception. 
They are gifted with that. They don't have to live a temporary life on this world and see all the struggles and all the things. Now, I'm sure, you know, our children get lots of warm hugs from us and we nurture them and we take care of them. And in our mind, that's the only way that we can love them. But God doesn't say that. He values the unseen and what is eternally in heaven, which is our babies that go straight there. When I decided to look at my miscarriage as a blessing instead of a curse, my heart softened. And that is when my heart was drawn closer to the Lord than ever before and just seeing that I was chosen for a Mary type task and how could I turn that down? How could I say no to that when I saw healing in that? There's a scripture in Romans that says, for everything comes from him and exists by his power and is intended for his glory. All glory to him forever. So God sees glory where we see pain. God sees glory through our heartache because we can't understand pain. We can't understand the hurt. We can't understand the battle, but God does. And he has a reason for that. And we don't have to understand that reason. We just have to know that there is one. This scripture in Romans is telling us that every single thing in this world that has been created by God and exists by the power of his mighty hands, every single bit of it is by him and for him. He is and He will always be the giver of life, no matter how we try to conceive, no matter how we actually conceive, no matter what help we get from the doctor. He is the one who knows what babies will be created, delivered, nurtured, birthed. He knows their life from day one. And I see that in Jeremiah 5. Before I shaped you in the womb, I knew all about you. Before you saw the light of day, I had holy plans for you. This says, at conception, He has a plan. He has a plan. No matter if the doctor says there is no hope, God has a plan for that life. So just know that he has that and he allowed that positive test to take place for a reason. We don't understand it. I've talked to people that make me feel guilty for even speaking on the fact that I've lost two babies because they've lost like 10 That just makes me feel so terrible because I'm like, I don't even, I need to talk about you. I need to talk about you and your story because it's just so much harder. The battle is so much bigger than what I've encountered. But my goal is not to make my miscarriage story any worse than anyone else's. That is not my goal here in this podcast. My goal in this podcast is to help one person or 20 or 200 or a thousand as I watch the listeners like, grow and be all over the United States is mind-blowing but like my purpose here is for through this miscarriage study that I'm doing is to find a relatability that you are not alone and God did not abandon you through that loss no matter how many losses that you have in my mind do I want to go through that pain again no would I sign up to go through it again no but if I was given the opportunity And God chose to give me a baby and take it away. Would I at this point in my life and my spiritual walk with God, would I view it as a curse? No, I would not. Because I see that in this scripture, it is spoken about um, before the baby was even known, before when it was created in secret. There are so many scriptures that give us promises that there is a reason in our pain. And there's a reason. And just like right here, before I shaped you in the womb, I knew all about you. Before God gave us a positive test, he knew the babies we would carry. He knew the babies we would deliver. And he had plans for them. When I read these words every single time, it's so evident to me the holy plans that God had for 
my baby and your baby and anyone else's baby who's gone through loss. He has a holy purpose for them. For me, that was telling me that God had a plan in heaven that I could never understand. But I know as a mom who has children on this earth, I pray daily that God has a plan for their life. We homeschool and I try to instill worship in my children and godly characteristics in them. And just knowing that he is the creator of everything and ultimately everything we do needs to please him or praise him in in some form or fashion. And, you know, I'm judged a lot by that. I don't allow my kids to do some things that other kids their age can do, but we all have our own convictions. I don't criticize or, you know, whatever you want to do, that's fine with your family. But for me, God is number one. And as I look at that, it's telling us that those holy plans are children that are babies that we have lost before they were ever able to breathe oxygen or breathe air here went on to a higher purpose in heaven. To me, I couldn't find a specific scripture, but I just felt like God was telling me that it was coming straight from me to him and it entire life and existence would be lived out eternally in heaven right beside of him because it says they see his face and I don't know about you but I'm not a perfect mom and I'm not a perfect person and no matter how great and cool and amazing I try to be I fail daily I lose my temper kids get crazy I'm gonna yell and I feel bad about that but do you you know God is perfect So our babies that we miscarry are given the opportunity to a perfection, to perfection, to a perfect life with God and having a father figure until we get to heaven with them or and even after because he's my father. But having that opportunity to never have anything done in vain to them, is that a blessing or a curse? It's a blessing. It's a blessing. I mean, if you're given the opportunity to have a perfect father and never be screamed at or never be yelled at or never have to. Because I apologize to my kids. I think that's very important in teaching them. If we teach them, hey, go apologize to this person. I think it's very important that when I feel like I've been like, go put your shoes in your room for the 50th time. Go do it. I feel like I should apologize for that. And just like they should apologize for not going and doing it. But, you know, they don't. these babies don't have to go through that. And that, to me, there's no way that that doesn't have to be. That isn't a blessing. In Matthew 18, it says, See that you do not despise one of these little ones, for I tell you that in the heaven their angels always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. What? Do not despise one of these little ones. Don't hate the fact that you went through miscarriage. Don't do it. Do not despise the little baby that you carried for a short time. Don't do it. And even if you've made the mistake, and I'm going to say it, like gone through an abortion at a young age and you cannot let the haunt of that get out of your mind. It, it just bothers you because I've talked to people who have also been through that and it's heart wrenching because they don't, they don't talk about that on TV when they say, you know, you can do this, you can do this. It's your body. Well, they don't talk about five years later when that 16 year old that went through that has the deepest regrets ever of having an abortion. But this scripture also is speaking to me right now saying that, do not despise one of these little ones. Don't hate that, that that you even made that choice. Let's find freedom in that and knowing that even that baby that you chose not to have is in heaven with the Father, living in perfection. Because it says, I tell you that in heaven, their angels always see the face of my Father, and he's perfect. I want to see him. 
Don't you want to see him? I remember listening to a song called Be Still and Know by Hannah Kerr. I think that's how her name is. I love that song. I encourage you that if you're going through anything that you don't know what to do to put that song on repeat because it's such a promising, it's just such a promise that just be still and know that I'm God. When everything around you is going insane and going crazy, just know that God is holding you. He's got this. And he's saying, be still and know that I am God. I've got everything. I'm amazing. I'm not talking about me. I'm talking about God and just knowing that he is amazing. During this time for me, as I switch back to my story, the weeks following my miscarriage were so hard and they were so quiet. And I just felt like I couldn't hear the voice of God through it. It was like isolating. I felt disconnected from my friends. And from the moment that I found out I had miscarried, I'd never seen a hummingbird back on my property. There was a silent face. I didn't feel like God was using any of his signs to speak to me, to comfort me, to do anything. And life was just still. And the stillness is where we find healing, but it's the hardest place to reside. It is. Nobody wants to sit in quiet, especially if you're busy like me. By nature and lifestyle, we're driven to be busy. If we need something, we can have it next day on Amazon. And that's just kind of how life is. But I'm going to tell you, you look high and low. You can't find a baby on Amazon. It's not a quick fix. It's not an easy thing. But God does honor patience. His scripture in Psalm says, Be still and know. But in my distress, I cried out to the Lord. Yes, I pray to God for help. He heard me from his sanctuary. My cry to him reached his ears. So even in the stillness, when you feel like he can't hear you, this scripture tells us that he can. He can hear us. And he's listening. But he needs us to be patient. And he needs us to be still and do nothing because in that nothing, God is doing something, something that we will not understand until we get to heaven. In Lamentations, it says, though he brings grief, he also shows compassion because of the greatness of his unfailing love, for he does not enjoy hurting people or causing them to sorrow. This answers a question I hear a lot of, well, why does he want to do this? Like he's such a mean God. Why does he want to hurt us? Why does he want to do this? And this right here tells us he doesn't find joy in that. He doesn't. I don't understand why we go through hard things and why it happens to good people when there's a lot of bad people out there that I could easily say, put this on them. They deserve it. I don't understand why good people have to kind of pay for the sins of others sometimes. That's what it feels like. That's not biblical, but that's what it feels like that I'm paying for something that somebody else did because I try to be pleasing to God. But this says he doesn't find joy in that. His goal is not to hurt us or to harm us, but to help us through the struggles and the battles we're facing. So God understands the pain that we go through in losing because he had to lose. Today, I'm going to sum this up, and I'm going to read a scripture from Matthew. It says, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. If you're struggling with a battle today, it may not be miscarriage. It may be other things in life. If you're struggling, I want you to just find rest today. Just find rest and know that He is God, and He's good, and He is working in the background. In all the painful situations you're going through, He's got it. He's in control, and I don't know how long it will last. But in that, please just embrace Him, run to Him, and know that He holds our healing and He navigates 
our motherhood journey, whatever route that may become, it's going to be okay. You're going to heal and you're going to be stronger through this with God by your side. I'm praying for you today, friends. And that's all I have for part two segment of the miscarriage story. I hope that this has kind of brought some healing to your heart if this is where you are. Like I said before, reach out to me. I have a lot of people who reach out to me through Instagram and tell me their stories. And honestly, it helps bring perspective as well to other people's miscarriage situations or other people's infertility or the battle of just emptiness of not knowing am I a mother, am I not? or wanting to be a mother in a five-year battle. No miscarriage, but no baby either. And I'm here for you. Like I try to chat back and forth to each person and encourage you and be there for you because I know what it's like to be in that emptiness and in that waiting. And that's all I have for you today, guys. I love you so much from the greenhouse. The chickens have quieted down a little bit for me and the bee stopped swooping at my head. So I'm glad we got through it and I will have another part of this coming out next week. Love you guys so much. See you next time in the greenhouse with a cup of coffee.